Good morning. Happy late Thanksgiving. It's good to see all of you. And I just want you to know how much Tammy and I love you. And we're always excited when we get the invitation to come and to be a part of the worship service here at First Jonesboro. Thank you, Brother Brian, Brother Trey, uh, deacons, uh, choir, congregation, but most of all, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, what a good father we have who has blessed us beyond blessings. And to be able to share thanksgiving and to, as the psalmist said, that we are to give thanks for the Lord is good. And certainly he is. And I pray you had a great thanksgiving. I felt like uh, when the pastor asked me would I be available to preach, um, it's like I've never preached before and I've been given this opportunity. And so... Uh, thank you so much. And, and on the tail end of Thanksgiving, the week of Thanksgiving, I, I felt an urgency to preach on gluttony. <laughs> but I'm not. I want to share a message with you that I've never preached before. You'll hear it for the first time. On being a good soldier. I know Brother Trey still sings those old war hymns. We're marching on to Zion, the beautiful, beautiful city of Zion. We're marching on to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Do y'all remember that? Some of you young'uns probably don't. But some of our older ones do. Much of the imagery and metaphors that's used throughout the scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, is pertaining to being a soldier. And we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is the last of the last of the last letters from Paul. I want you to think about that. As we turn into 2 Timothy chapter 2, think about a warrior. Think about a soldier of the cross, a man who was heathen, a man who was deeply depraved. Walking, living in darkness, and all of a sudden, a light from heaven shone upon him and said, Saul! Saul, why persecutest thou me? And that began the journey of grace. Grace! Grace! Grace that is greater than all my sin. He was a chosen vessel of God. And oh, how God used a man named Paul. And he ends 
these letters, this last epistle to a young preacher boy named Timothy whom he loved deeply. It's the imagery and the metaphor of an athlete where they're running the 4-100 where he is passing on the baton to Timothy and he's giving instructions and he's giving marching orders if we may say that to Timothy. He uses three metaphors in this chapter 2 and we're only going to look at one because really you don't want me to preach the other two. (laughs) But the first one is that of a soldier. The second is that of an athlete. And the third, a farmer. But each of these characteristics and traits could actually be applied to all three of the metaphors. And so 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 1. If you would, please stand as we read the Word of God. I'll be reading out of New King James. Being a soldier. Verse 1. Are you there? Say amen. amen. This is God's Word. Let's read and let's listen. And let's obey. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Let's bow as we pray. Heavenly Father, it is so, so good to be together this morning. To be with you. Lord, to be welcomed and to be invited to be here to, Lord, encircle and encamp around your word which heaven and earth will pass away, but thy word abides forever. Thank you for this privilege we have today to come, Lord, and to read and to study and to learn and to grow and to apply the word of God. And oh, how I pray that, Lord, we as believers today who have ears to hear and hearts to understand would listen to you today about what does it mean to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Thank you. May you be glorified and honored and exalted in all that we do and all we say here. 
I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Paul, in writing this last letter to young Timothy, begins in chapter 1 by telling him about the power of the gospel of God. That it is the gospel that has saved him. It's the calling, that holy calling that was not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given us in Christ Jesus before time ever began. And then Paul said, I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So Paul begins as he's closing out his last letter to young Timothy by saying, and you can hear him say this, don't forget the gospel of grace that has saved you. And then he begins in chapter 2 talking about being that good soldier of Jesus Christ. And not only the grace that saves, but the grace that sanctifies and approves us as soldiers of Jesus Christ. And then he begins in chapter 3 with a word of warning saying, Timothy, don't forget that there are perilous men in perilous times, and there are apostates who will come saying that they're men of God, but they're phonies. They have abandoned the faith. They have deserted the grace of God. Watch out for those men and that movement. And then in the closing chapter, what other way would Paul close out the last chapter of his life to encourage a young preacher boy rather than this. Preach the Word. Amen. In season, out of season, for rebuke and for reproof and for instructions of righteousness. Amen. Oh, this young preacher boy was hearing from Paul, the commanding officer. But really, Paul and Timothy both were soldiers of the cross who was submitting and surrendering to the commander-in-chief of none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I ask you this morning as we consider this subject of being a good soldier, would you consider yourself to be a soldier of the cross? Holding the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ up high, unashamedly, marching on to Zion. For the days are few ahead of us, my brothers and sisters. We are in the last days How will we serve the Lord? The foundation to this chapter is the grace of God. No wonder John 
in writing the Gospel said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Full of grace and truth. No wonder Paul, in writing to the Romans, said where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. No wonder Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth in the second letter, when Paul begged for God to remove the thorn from his flesh, God said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. No wonder Paul, in writing to the church at Ephesus, said, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. No wonder Paul, in writing to young Titus, said, having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Surely, you remember amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see grace, grace. Let's look at this being a good soldier whose foundation is grace. So let's begin. I want to show you three things in this text, in these four verses, about being a good soldier. Now, if you're going to understand What does it mean to be a good soldier? You must understand the position of a good soldier. What is the position? Secondly, what is the practice? And then thirdly, we find it right here in the text, what's the purpose? What's the position? What's the practice? And then what's the purpose? Are you with me? You'll listen fast, I'll preach fast. If you listen slow, I'm going to have to go back and repeat. All right, being a good soldier. Let's look at the position. Notice verse 1 and verse 2, and then part of verse 3. Notice what he says here. You, therefore, that's personal. That's very personal. You, therefore, my son. Boy, you can sense the urgency of Paul instructing young Timothy here. Be strong in the grace of That is in Christ Jesus. Now he's already building an image here. And it's the image of the arena of grace. Picture yourself in the arena of grace. And Paul is telling young Timothy, You, my son. He was a son in the faith. Amen. There's a whole lot there I had not got to to, to dissect and to exegete here. But you find a teacher and a student already found here. You, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
Here we have the arena of grace. And Paul is telling young Timothy, you be strong in grace. In other words, don't you allow anyone to convince you that it is anything of the flesh. For the flesh profits nothing. Flesh will fail. You must stand strong in God's grace. Because in the arena of grace, pay attention to what I'm fixing to say, there is no room for personal pronouns in the arena of grace. I, me, you, us, they cannot be found in the arena of grace. Grace is of God. It is not of man. And if you think you are in the arena of grace, you don't understand grace. Because grace is of God. Amen. It's a gift of God. And he said, you stand strong in grace, young Timothy, because it is in Christ Jesus. Amen. That is the position of a good soldier. And if you don't understand grace as being your foundation, then you are not a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Because it is not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. We find that the position is that of grace. And he's saying, be strong. Stand strong. Remember he said this in that last chapter in, in the book to Ephesians. Having done all, stand. In other words, surely you can already catch this language in being a soldier. Don't you retreat. Don't you turn around and run, Timothy. You stand. And the only way you can stand as a soldier is in the foundation and the position of grace as God's soldier. Amen. Oh, boy, this is encouraging to me. Be strong. Because in that day, Apostasy was real. And in our day, apostasy is real. We think much or most of who we are and what we are and where we go and what we do is of us. If you don't believe me, listen to the popular songs today. But he says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. With man it's impossible, with God all things are possible, amen. Now let's go on and talk about this position. So you already see in the arena of grace there's no room for personal pronouns, amen. So notice what he says. And the things that you have heard from me, amen, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men. Let's stop there. You see again, you find the teacher, you find the student. Amen. What's the foundation? What's the position? Grace. So he says, if you have learned from me about the grace of God, you continue to teach these things to faithful men who are able then to teach others also. Do you see the progressive nature of this? Paul is telling young Timothy here, listen, there's a battle going on. And the battle will continue until the Lord returns, my brothers and sisters. And we must be founded in the position 
of God's grace as a good soldier, amen. And we must teach our students that students may become teachers and then teach their students that those students become teachers and then it will continue to be passed down that it is God's grace and it is not the will and the way and the work of man. Must we understand that? Now, if we're going to be a good student, here's four things, and I don't have time to preach these. Pay attention. They won't be hard to get. If you're going to be a good student to a teacher to learn the grace of God, you better show up, you better sit up, you better shut up, and you better surrender up. Y'all didn't get that, so i got to repeat it. See, you didn't listen good. If you're going to be a good student under a gospel of grace teacher, then four things must happen. you got to show up. You're not going to learn and be a good student unless you show up. Second thing is you got to sit up. Daddy used to tell us, boys, sit up and pay attention. Y'all know what that means. In the soldier metaphor imagery example think about this think about you telling your commander officer now i'm not going to show up today (laughs) i'm just going to do what i want to do how i wonder how would that go along how far would that get you show up sit up shut up amen so everybody's got their opinion nowadays. I ain't, I ain't got time to preach this, but I wish I did. You've got to shut up and you've got to listen. A learner listens. And then you've got to surrender up. You've just got to bow to the teachings of God's Word, the gospel of grace. Now, there's different authorities, and I ain't got time to go into those. I wish I did. That's a whole other sermon. But this is all in the position of being a good soldier. Are y'all following me? It's right there. And then he goes, look what he goes on to say in verse 3. You, therefore, it's as if he grabs little Timothy and he says, now son, he points his finger right between his eyes and said, I'm talking to you. You, therefore, must endure hardship. You know nowhere in God's word did he say that when you become one of my children, it's just going to be a life of leisure and luxury. Nowhere does God say that. Why do we think that today that we ought to be the privileged ones, that when we get saved, it ought to be a bed of roses and ought to be no problems? You know what we're really saying? I don't want to be in the war. I don't want to be a part of the warfare. Paul's telling Timothy, son, you better get ready because you're going to endure hardship, physical and spiritual. Amen. Now, how could Paul say this? (laughs) He's been there. You've got to endure hardship. It's tough. It's not a bed of roses. Amen. So he says you've got to endure hardship. The hardship. Jesus said it this way, in this world you shall have tribulation, be of good cheer, I have overcome this world. So we've got to endure. That's a good word there, and I don't have time to really dig into that, but that's a continue on, continuing. Endure, keep on going, persevering of the saints. Even right here as a soldier, physical hardness, spiritual hardness. We've got to endure, and the only way we can do that 
It's by God's sanctifying grace. The grace that saves is the same grace that sanctifies. And if there's no sanctifying grace, listen now what I'm fixing to say. If there's no sanctifying grace, that is clear evidence there's no saving grace. Do you know why we can't beg folks to come to church? I know as you're dealing with him, I'm fixing to say something that's pretty hard. You know why we cannot twist their arms and say, man, we want to have you at church. Please come to church. We write them notes. We make phone calls. Man, we go and do everything we can to drag them to church and set in a pew because they don't want to be here. Now, you know why they don't want to be here? Okay, I won't tell you. Well, you didn't say why. <laughs> it's this simple. They don't love Jesus. They went out from us because they were not of us. Had they been of us, they would have remained until this day. Listen, Paul said to young Timothy, man, you got to endure. Son, listen, you got to endure. You got to keep on. Because it'll be hard. But then he goes on to say, as a good soldier, I love that. Man, that's good. As a good soldier. Well, it's just common sense. I mean, if you're from Verda, if you... If you're not a good soldier, you're what? Thank you, you're a bad soldier. <laughs> so he said, you've got to endure hardness as a good soldier. So what's a bad soldier? I call him grumpy. If you're not a good soldier, you're a grumpy soldier. What's a grumpy soldier? Well, he's a lazy soldier. He don't want to do anything. He wants everybody else to do his part. Ain't got time to give all those examples, right? I mean, he's lazy. Can you imagine roll call at 5 a.m. as a soldier in the Army or Navy or Air Force or Marines, and, man, there's a roll call at 5 a.m., and sergeant comes by, you're still laid up in your bunk, and he taps you on the shoulder and says, Son, did you hear a roll call? Nah, I'm going to sleep in this morning. I don't feel like getting up. Everybody else can do what I'm supposed to do. Can you imagine that? How much more could we who have been saved by grace be lazy as a soldier in the army of God's arena of grace? How? A grumpy, gory soldier is lazy. He just wants everybody else to do it. But he's also lustful. Say with me now. Bad, gory, grumpy soldier is lustful. He's not satisfied with Jesus because he's never tasted of him. Had he ever tasted of him, he would know that he's good. So therefore, he goes wandering about in all the ways of the world, trying every form of religion, and none has satisfied him. He's lustful. He's a deserter. He's gone AWOL. Absent without... Leave. Decides to just take off on his own and investigate all the other religions to see which one better satisfies 
himself. I wished I had another hour. He's lazy. He's lustful. But he's liberal. He's liberal. He questions the word of the commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he doubts and he questions the word and the commands and the commissioning of our Lord. That's a grumpy soldier. Paul didn't talk about a grumpy soldier, did he? No, no, in the arena of grace, our position is that, that we're a good soldier. Amen. Well, what's a good soldier? A good soldier is a soldier that's loyal to his commander-in-chief, right? I mean, he's loyal. I mean, he's up before the roll call. He is standing in position. He is saluting his commander-in-chief. He is dressed to the T. Everything, without a wrinkle, is upon him. And because he is loyal to his commander, he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about his commander-in-chief. That's what a good soldier is. And that's who we are. As a good soldier to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're loyal to Him. We don't ask ourselves, self, how do you feel today? We don't ask ourselves, self, what do you want to do today? No, a good soldier is not selfish. He's loyal to his commander because he respects him and reveres him. He's loyal, but not only is he loyal, but he's loving. He loves his commander-in-chief. And to the nth degree, he knows He knows what he's doing is about him, not himself. But not only is he loyal, not only is he loving, but he's a laborer. Amen. Will work. Y'all never heard that. Till Jesus comes. We'll work. <laughs> That's the reason they'll never let me sing. <laughs> That's about all you're going to get. But listen, we're a laborer. Amen. We know that we've been called by grace. We know we've been cleansed by grace. We know that we have been commissioned by grace and we've been commanded by the grace of God. And boy, we're, we're just laboring for the kingdom. Amen. We'll burn the midnight oil. That's what the good soldier is. And notice he talks about this position of a good soldier who's of Jesus Christ. Now we've got to move on because we'll come to the practice. Notice what he says here. Practicing. You better be careful when you practice. This is very important here. In the beginning of verse 4, he says, No one, not one single person. That's why he would say in Jonesboro, Not single iota one. Not one of you. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. See, no one engaged. That's actively involved 
in warfare, actively involved. Because you see, when you're saved by grace and you're being sanctified by grace and you are acting as a good soldier which is involved in the warfare that you are in, listen, you will not be entangled in the affairs of this life. Now, there's a big reason why, okay? You will be actively involved. But notice he goes on to say this, that he will not entangle himself with the affairs of this life. Now, that's a really good word, entangle. If you go back and study that word, you'll find that it actually comes from sheep farmers. It comes from shepherds. Because the shepherd would be leading the sheep and the sheep decided all of a sudden they wanted to wander off on their own. Uh, 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 some of the sheep would wander off and they would get caught in the thorns or the thistles, or inverted, we call them briar patches. And that entangled means caught their wool in the thorns, in the briars. You know why they sheep do that? I mean, look, this is not... This is elementary here. When you're not following the shepherd and listening to him and obeying his voice, then all of a sudden you start wandering off the trail, off the path, the trodden path, and you start wandering down the hill and you get your, your, your wool caught up in thorns, entangled. And this is what Paul was saying to young Timothy as a good soldier, one who's actively involved as you are practicing being a good soldier. You're following the shepherd because the shepherd speaks. He knows his sheep. He calls them by name and they follow him. And you see, whenever you are a good, a good soldier following the good shepherd, you won't wander off and get your wool entangled in the affairs of this life. My goodness me, what in the world is he talking about here? Worldly affairs. Three things here. The, the, this life, affairs of this life. Let me mention this to you. First is the worldliness of this wicked system of life we live in. Worldly affairs. Evil affairs. You won't get entangled in the things of this world. They'll not interest you. They'll not absorb your heart and your mind. No, no, no. You'll have your focus on the Lord Jesus. He's the good shepherd. You'll be following him. But not only that, not only the worldly affairs, but self. Your greatest enemy is not this world. Your greatest enemy is yourself. And then thirdly, Satan. You see, we give Satan credit for a lot that he don't have anything to do with. And got tall. I ain't got time to talk about that. But when Paul said, man, look, as a good soldier who's actively involved, man, you're not going to get entangled with the affairs of this life. In other words, man, you're going to be following the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the practice, following the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's like today we're trying to watch everything around us to make sure this won't slip up on us. Man, that we don't... We don't carefully fall off the edge on this side and on that side and get involved in this or be a part of this kind of movement. You know what our problem is? Our problem is we're trying to watch everything around us instead of keeping our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ as the good shepherd and us as sheep. Just follow Him. Just follow Him. 
You ain't got to get caught up in all the beliefs of this world system and try to find out what they believe and what they don't believe and what we believe like them and what we don't believe like them. My goodness me, just sit under the preaching and the teaching of God's holy word and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. And when you're focused, focused on that, you will not get entangled with the things of this life. It's just that simple. All right, so that's our practice. Now, let's look at the purpose and we got to close. All right. I promised your pastor I'd try my best. All right. It's getting really difficult for me to read, so that's why I'm taking my time. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Now watch this. That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Well, what is the purpose of being a good soldier? Two things here. Paul identifies two things. One is to please him. You and I are good soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, our aim is not to please the pastor. It's not to please the church. It's not to, to please Baptist. It's not even to please self. But it's to please Him. Amen. The purpose of my life and your life is to please the Lord. That God Almighty be honored and glorified and pleased. Amen. I mean, here's Paul's word to young Timothy. That you may please Him. When you look back into the scripture in Matthew 25, it talks about the parable of the talents. Y'all remember that? Where an owner gave one ten talents and one five talents and one just one talent. Y'all remember, I hadn't got time to go into that parable, but the one with ten talents and five talents brought doubled what they had. The one who's given ten made ten, brought it back to the master. The one made five, brought five more. Total 10, back to the master, but the one that had one just went and hit it. Didn't do anything with it. But you know the first two, here's what I find. Here's what the master said to those two. The one that had 10, it made 10 more, and the five made five more. It's what he said, well done. You remember what he called him? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. I've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you a servant over many. You know what makes this... Soldier good. Same thing it made the Samaritan good. Same thing it made the servant good. Same thing it made the fruit good. Same thing it made the tree good. Amen. It's not us. Rich young ruler come running to Jesus and said, Master, what one thing must I do that I have eternal life? And Jesus said, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, and that is God. What made the soldier good was God. And only God can please God. Romans 8, 8, the flesh cannot please God. And so the only way that God can be pleased is with God who lives in us, amen. Amen. 
It's the gospel of grace that he may please him. Oh, the day that we could hear those words, well done. Amen. But not just to please him, but to praise him. Look what he said. To please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now, I've never been in the military, but uh, from what I can tell, unless you're drafted, you enlist yourself. Now, I hope I'm right in saying that. If I'm not, I'm sure some of y'all are going to correct me. All right? So unless you're drafted, you enlist, right? You sign up for, right? But that is not the way it is spiritually. Not in the arena of grace. Because we are first to please Him, and then secondly, we are to praise Him. Why? Because He is the one that enlisted us as a soldier. You did not enlist yourself as a soldier in the army of God. And if you dare think you did, you're wrong. Not on account of my opinion, but on the account of God's opinion, it's right here. You're a part of his army because he enlisted you. He called you by his grace. He awakened you. He gathered you. He, he delivered you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Amen. Lavishly poured out his grace on you. And there's nothing that you and I can say. He enlisted us. And we're to praise him because he enlisted us as a soldier. So what's the purpose as a good soldier? Please him and praise him because it's all of him, from him, for him, and to him. Amen. Be all glory and honor be given to the Lord. Now, let me take a couple of minutes and close here. So let me ask you, let me go back. What kind of soldier are you? Are you a good soldier or a grumpy soldier? Are you a saved soldier or a lost soldier? Because if you're a good soldier, you've learned this morning that you're in the arena of grace. Your position is in the arena of grace. And you are actively involved not being entangled with things of this life, but rather purposely pleasing Him, praising Him as a soldier. Now, if you were to take the athlete, the other metaphor, the other two metaphors, and then the farmer, you could put these same characteristics and traits in here. And that's why Paul said what he did and said, okay, now I'm going to give you three examples. Soldier, athlete, farmer. Amen. God's grace. I remember in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, y'all remember that passage. I'm not going to try to state that first half of that chapter, but boy, saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train of his robe filled the temple. And seraphim, each had six wings, serving the Lord, crying, Holy, 
holy, holy is the Lord. God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And Isaiah saw himself and said, Woe is me, a man undone and unclean. And one of the seraphim flew and picked up one of the coals off of the fire and touched his lips and said, Now thou, thou be cleansed. And God said, And who shall I send? And who will go for us? And without hesitancy, you can see the soldier come out in Isaiah here. Hear my Lord. Send me. Hear my Lord. Send me. Is that you? Well, the Apostle Paul closing out to little Timothy as he tells him to preach the word in season, out of season for rebuke and reproof and correction and instruction for righteousness. Preach the word, boy. (laughs) Then he says this. I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge shall give unto me, but not unto me only, but unto all those who love His appearing. Can you see it? Can you see the imagery of a soldier, an old, crippled soldier? Surely you can. As Paul stands there, his legs weak, wounded from the scars and the beatings and the scourging, And he's standing there with every bit of the strength that he can. He's saying, I'm ready to be poured out. I'm ready to be offered. I've fought. I've kept. I've finished. I'm ready to go home. All that that would be your life, that that would be my life, that that would be our life, that the purpose of being a good soldier is that we'd be loyal until he calls us home. We'd be loving until he calls us home, that we'd be laborers until he calls us home. Well done, Paul. Well done. 
I pray this morning you understood. Maybe a little bit now you understand a little bit more about being a good soul. Don't you take it lightly. God never wastes his grace. That which he begins, he'll always complete and perfect in Christ Jesus. Maybe he's calling one of you unto salvation. Maybe this morning, for the first time, you understand God's grace. And He's calling you to be saved. Answer that call. I'll tell you, a thousand freight trains can't keep you from the Spirit of God drawing you unto salvation. Maybe you're here, and as a soldier, good soldier, you want to say, Lord, I want to be more loyal, more loving. More laboring for you. However God spoke, you come. Let's stand. As we come prepare for invitation, pastor comes. Brother Trey comes. Would you bow your head as I pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for this time that we could gather around your word. And Lord, my only concern right now is Did I please you? Was I faithful to your word? Did I honor you, Lord? And I know with all my heart you'll accomplish whatever your word's been sent out to do. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.